Hello and welcome back to another episode of the 100k Freelancer Club podcast and I've actually got a super cool announcement that I've been waiting to make for a long time now and that's that our free audio course is now live on the 100kfreelancerclub.com website. You do not want to miss this, it's how to kickstart and ignite your freelance career, take your freelance career to the next level right now, head over to 100kfreelancerclub.com. And that is enough of the promos from me. We're going to jump straight into the podcast today. Today we're talking about the life of the amazing freelancer, Niall McCorn, who is here today. (laughs) As always, how are you doing, Niall? I'm good, mate. Do you know what? When you said you had a special announcement to make, I was thinking, what's he going to say? What is the special (laughs) announcement? And then I remembered that actually I already knew what you were going to say. So you actually excited me briefly then for about half a second. I was like, what's he going to say? Is he going to tell everyone that you got sunburnt on the beach the other day? But no. Mate, I did get sunburnt on the beach the other day, literally. Oh my God, I'm going to go down a little bit of a rabbit hole here right now. But your English basically, skin. Yeah, oh my God, I was so red. And, and, and the thing is, right, so big developments in my personal life, right? So I'm obviously in Barcelona, so there's a, a bit more sun for us guys than you, unfortunately, over there in the UK. Yeah. But I go to meet um, uh, a friend of mine for drinks, middle of the day in um, Barcelona, Neta the beach in Barcelona, probably pronounced that absolutely horribly. But um, yeah, some beach in Barcelona, right? Some some beach bar. And uh, it's basically, the, it, the weather here has been horrible, terrible. Yeah. Like yeah. it's been crap for weeks, for weeks and weeks and weeks. So this is like the first real day of sunshine. So sunshine in, life's feeling good, go out, you know, meet my mate for drinks. And we're just sat there in the sun. Like, you know, I, I had no, you know, real plans of how long I was gonna be there. Um, but basically, you know, sat down, having some vermouth, some beer, some Aperol spritz, I think oh, it was. I like a good Aperol. And we ended up staying there for like four or five hours, like <laughs> middle of the day from like 1 p.m., maybe earlier, to like 5.30. And we were just sat in the sun, like the angle that I was sat, the sun was on my right side the whole time. And at 6 p.m., I got to catch a train to um to Tarragona which is uh where my girlfriend lives and basically as I was walking to the train I was like oh my god my arm kills and I looked in my right arm few beers in me as well so you know I hadn't like felt it straight away but like my right arm was obliterated like it was <laughs> so red and all up my right arm all up the right side oh of my face my the gosh. right side of my nose my neck was just burnt as hell and it turns out it's actually the first weekend that I met my girlfriend's mum as well and I like you know that classic image of like drunk British tourist sunburnt as hell like a geary like a gamba like oh my god I was so rest and embarrassed like I was like, this is, I'm usually really careful with the sun. Like, I'm super pale skin, so I'm always slapping on that factor 50. But it's just turned out this was the first weekend after over a, you know, a long period of time of being with my girlfriend. And uh, yeah, went to, you know, met her mum. And I was just looking like an absolute idiot, like complete (laughs) idiot. It's just ridiculous, ridiculous. But yeah, that was... Um... That was pretty funny, to be fair. Do you know what? It reminds me, when you started that story when you were like, yeah, basically, a couple of pints turned into 10 pints and I was sat there for about four <laughs> hours. That reminds me of every time I come to Barcelona to see you, where we're like, oh, we'll talk about 
business and life and stuff like that and then we end up just getting absolutely smashed for about a week without doing any work it just happens the same over oh, and over again definitely definitely <laughs> i can't wait until that happens again just me a Nile me business either. meeting yeah, yeah, it's just blacked out for a week yeah <laughs> it's definitely definitely the way so this podcast is about like your life your life as a freelancer is more of an introduction to you so you know the people in the course and in the community you can have a better insight into the life of Niall and obviously one thing we've learned already is that you know you love the birrios and coming over to Barcelona <laughs> and getting on the birrios with me but other than that you're successful um, freelancer working in the broadcast industry uh, mm. in, in inside um, football and you've pretty much been a freelancer straight out of the gates of university right yeah so that's where i started so i did an english literature degree but i've always been interested in broadcasting so i always had an interest in radio so at the school that me and jb went to um one of the classrooms was actually turned into a recording studio that would be where the music students would go to like record pieces for their courses or where school bands would go and like record some stuff and they put it on a CD and they take it home with them they play it to their mum and dad and their stuff like that but during lunch times at school the recording studio the classroom that had been converted into a recording studio was kind of turned into a school radio station so my cousin was involved with that and he was he was a bit older than me when I started school when I was 11 he was 15 or 16 so he, he you know he was leaving school just as I was starting and he got me into that and so I guess you could say I've been involved in broadcasting slash radio in some capacity since I was 11 years old, which is pretty mad to think about it. However, I never really thought to marry the football and the radio together until way, way later down the line. But I won't bother talking through my life story and stuff like that. In terms of my time at university, which is like what you say, where my freelance journey officially began, I did an internship at the BBC in my second year of uni. Like I said, I did English literature, but... Uh, I was kind of turned off from doing broadcasting or journalism at university because I was I was kind of informed by those who were knowledgeable in the industry that you might be better off doing a different degree. So just in case you fall out of love with broadcasting or you don't want to be a journalist anymore, you can do something different. If you've got a more rounded degree like English or maths or science or history or something like that, you're more likely to get a job in a different field should you need one or should you want one if the time ever comes. So a good example would be if I did a degree in dentistry I wouldn't really have much other choice but to become a dentist and a degree in dentistry doesn't get you too far if you decide all of a sudden you don't want to pull people's teeth out for a living anymore so that was kind of my decision when I went to uni but in my second year of uni I was very lucky I got an internship uh, at the BBC I don't want to call it the the national broadcaster but it's the biggest kind of free-to-air broadcaster in the UK is known the world over even though BBC obviously stands for British Broadcasting Corporation and I got an internship uh, working as a sports reporter at BBC Radio Wiltshire in Swindon which was about I don't know a 40 minute train from where me and JB grew up in, in West Wiltshire so it took a little bit of time to get there I guess and you know the, the transport links aren't great so I did that in the summer and then I went back to uni for my third year uh, and also a friend of mine was working for a radio station voluntarily in Portsmouth. And so I'd sometimes get the train from where I went to uni in Cardiff down to Portsmouth, which was a two and a half, three hour train just to do some volunteer radio stuff down there. I just tried everything I could when I was at uni just to try and do as much as I can whilst I had the time as a student, uh, as well as kind of balancing it with my degree. And then the time came to graduate. I had no luck with getting any graduate jobs. I didn't really know what I was doing. 
I thought though, naively, that having done an internship with the BBC and having done a fair bit of voluntary work, working for free, and having worked in radio in some capacity, even though it was only school radio since I was 11, I naively thought nine years later at the age of 20 when I graduated that I would absolutely fly out of uni and walk straight into a job, a permanent job in broadcasting. Applied for loads of stuff that summer, didn't hear anything until it came to my graduation day. And I graduated from Cardiff University and I was in the car I got a phone call and it was an unknown number. Now, normally I don't pick up unknown numbers, but I knew from my time working for the BBC in an internship that they call you off unknown numbers. And I don't know what made me pick the call up, but I did. I answered the phone. And it was the managing editor of BBC Radio Wiltshire. We've got some freelance work, casual contract, casual work. I thought I'd give you a ring as saw you last summer and you kind of showed enough commitment and you showed that you want to progress in the industry so if you fancy it come and see me and we'll get something sorted out and then it went from there really and all that was was you know it wasn't much I think it was only nine ten pound an hour working for the BBC graveyard shifts you know the bottom of the barrel sort of shifts I'm talking answering phones making people cups of tea that sort of stuff and that was as a 20 year old straight out of uni so yeah I guess you could say I got lucky that on my graduation day by chance I got a phone call from the BBC saying, can you come and work with us on a freelance slash casual contract? And I was there sort of helping people construct reports, helping them write news bulletins, uh, answering phones, pushing buttons, making cups of tea, all of the bottom of the ladder stuff. And that's seven years or so ago now. And that was the start of the journey, I guess. Did it ever cross your mind during that period where you were in, you know, you, you, you described it as the bottom of the barrel work? Was it ever in your mind or in your goals that you wanted to progress on a freelance contract or maybe work for other companies on a freelance basis or was this too was the idea of freelancing too new to you at that time to be honest jb i didn't even know that i was a freelancer at the time it was just going in and working for the bbc and to even say that you're able to do that at 20 you know the bbc are a big company so like to to say you work for them is, is a pretty cool thing i didn't even know that i was a freelancer until one day my dad was like, well, how much do you get paid then? And I said, oh, it, it's this, I think it's 10 quid an hour and I do this many hours a week. And he said, well, aren't you a freelancer? Surely you're a freelancer, you can set your own wages if you want a bit more money. I said, oh no, it doesn't work like that. So I guess it was kind of a, a casual contract thing, but only really when my dad said about that, that it made me think, well, actually, I guess I am a freelancer. Um, but at the time when I was sort of that young and just straight out of uni, I was just thinking, oh, my God, I'm working for the BBC. And, you know, I knew I was capable of doing more, um, but I never, ever thought that I would be working on a freelance basis for as long as I have. Now, I've never made a secret of this and I never will because I think it's important on these podcasts between us that we're transparent. But I I'm also employed. So I've got a job where I get paid uh, a monthly wage by a company but I also have my freelance business on the side so you know I, I still engage very heavily in a lot of freelance work it makes up a large chunk of my income but I'm also employed so I guess at the time back then when I was I was 20 years old and just graduated I never really thought that being a freelancer for life was a path that I would take it's just something you don't think about back then it's only really when you start to take on more work just naturally and the snowball starts to get bigger and bigger and gain more momentum that's when you really start to understand that you're a freelancer and all of the kind of the workings and the mechanisms that go with that 
Yeah, so I suppose for you, you you're more of a person that slowly drifted into the freelance world rather yeah. than making that active decision to be, you know, yeah. to say to yourself, I want to be a freelancer. And yeah. I guess one of the moments for you must have been when it was like, okay, I have to fill out a tax return or <laughs> you know something like that so at what moment was that for you like did you know too late did you get a fine one year or were you forward thinking in advance did a mentor say to you you know hey you need to get an accountant or whatever or how did that plan out for you the way that I kind of figured out that I was a freelancer was when I started working for Express FM in Portsmouth when I started working with them on a more permanent basis presenting radio shows and commentating on football matches as well as working with the BBC at different times, that's when I realised that I was a freelancer. When I started sending invoices to Express FM, that's when I first realised I was a freelancer. So a lot of the stuff BBC-wise in terms of being paid, I don't want to give too much away because I don't think it's fair to them and things may have changed in the however long since I left there. But I guess for the BBC, a lot of stuff's done in-house in terms of what you get paid and you still get kind of a bit of a wage slip at the end of the month about you know the hours you've worked even as a freelancer. With Express FM, a different radio company, it's not public service broadcasting, it's commercial broadcasting, you're sending invoices. So I guess the first time I ever sent an invoice to get paid for presenting a radio show or commentating on a football match, that was when I really felt the penny drop in terms of, oh my God, I'm a freelancer. Because in what other walk of life would you send an invoice? Because, you know, you get your wage slip at the end of the month and you know how much you're getting paid and how much is going towards tax and national insurance because that's all calculated for you. You know, you find it in your pay slip and you get what you get at the end of the month. Whereas when you're a freelancer and you have to actually ask people for money and invoice for stuff, I guess when I first started doing that, when I started working for someone other than the BBC and started getting my first couple of different clients, that's when I really, when it really dawned upon me that I guess, yeah, I'm a freelancer now. And then when that moment hit you, did you think to yourself, okay, I want to expand upon this? Like, do I want to, do you, did you want to reach more clients and work with different companies? Or was it more that you wanted to progress, say more traditionally like, a, like an employee, like progress mm. inside of the BBC or progress inside of Express FM? Like, what were you thinking in that moment? Yeah, I think probably the latter. As a football fan, to be able to watch the team you love and work for the team you love. There's nothing better. And actually, I think this is really interesting and something we discussed on other episodes of the 100K Freelancer Club podcast is that sometimes it takes a negative experience to really drive you to be successful. And we've spoken about this on episodes of the show about motivation and stuff like that. Sometimes it takes a severe setback to really get you to pick yourself up, dust yourself off and go, I'm going to prove you wrong and make you feel that you've made the wrong decision in a letting me go or deciding you don't want to work with me anymore you know I don't want people to read too much into this not that anyone really cares too much but I guess the point I'm trying to make is for me at the time as a 21 22 year old commentating on Portsmouth Football Club was a dream something that two years prior at uni I was listening to the commentary on the radio of, of Portsmouth playing whilst I was doing essays in my uni room and two years later I was following Portsmouth up and down the country commentating on matches. Like the team you support, there honestly is no better job than that in the world. For someone who loves football like me and loves broadcasting, like I said, being in radio in some way, shape or form since I was very young, to be able to do that, I was pretty much living my dream 
from the ages of 21 to 23, I was absolutely living my dream, following Portsmouth up and down the country, getting to know the players, presenting radio shows about my football team, interviewing the manager, speaking to people around the city to do with the club, going to events, going down into the dressing room, going to the training ground and making videos of players and actually playing football on the training pitch and stuff like that. And then commentating on Portsmouth getting promoted and winning the league. I mean, there's no better job than that. So I guess naively, I thought that I was just going to stay there forever, just purely because I was enjoying the moment, I guess. Now I'm a bit older. I start to think a little bit more about things like, or well, how well am I being remunerated for this? Is the fee worth me chasing down the role, so to speak? You know, is the client going to be paying me what I feel I'm worth? These are things that weren't really going through my head because I had such a love and passion for Portsmouth, and I still do, but in a different way now. But I had such a love and passion for that job, commentating on Portsmouth, that I almost felt like they could have said, right, in order for you to commentate this weekend, you need to go and litter pick around the stadium or clean bird <laughs> off the seats. I would have done it, JB, honestly, because <laughs> I think I was so in the zone about working for a club and something you're so passionate about that sometimes you can be blinkered to the future and what possibly lies ahead for you. So I'd say probably the latter more than anything. I was more interested in trying to progress at Portsmouth and maybe create a role for myself and maybe forge an opening there, which might encourage them to pay me a little bit more, compensate me a little bit better. And there were, uh, you know, elements of that and there was evidence of that and stuff like that. Um, but I'd certainly say that working my way up within the companies that I was freelancing for was at the forefront of my mind rather than picking up additional clients, although it didn't actually transpire that way. Yeah, well, I, I think from based on what you're saying, there's a really important um, point that we should pick up upon for all those freelancers out there. And you said that, you know, you were working for passion and I'm assuming at this point you were just, you weren't, you weren't fussed or you didn't care about the money that you were making. They could have offered you one pound an hour or a million pound an hour and you would have still been in that position. I think it's like that for a lot of freelancers Mm. at the moment where they want the freelance lifestyle. So if you think about, you know, one of the cliches of a freelance lifestyle, like being able to work where you want, when you want, you know, you head over to Bali and work in a co-working space. Yeah. People will accept lower contracts than what they are worth just because it's given them the opportunity to do these things which I think is okay to start with but you don't want to find yourself trapped in that situation like you could have been because at the end of the day football's business yeah. and they, they don't care about you know how much money mm. you're making it's, it's all profit at the end of the day for them so they will have no worry they're not going to lose any sleep over squeezing you for every hour squeezing yeah. you for every pound per hour in the contract mm. just to get that to you and I think maybe at that point in time you were blinded by your passion for the work and Mm. for the company that it was kind of holding you back in your freelance uh in your freelance career so that's something that all new freelancers should be aware of yes it's okay to take on um and work for these projects if it is your passion and to get that experience under your belt Mm. but you got to think as you get older and as you progress in life you're going to want different things and you're going to need more money to sustain those things so you need to progress and from a career perspective in an hour per rate perspective and just you know you want to build those opportunities for yourself because if you've got no safety net to fall back on as well like imagine if you're in that position they kept you in like a terrible contract for you know seven or eight years and then you ended up having like kids and a mortgage and stuff like that and then one day because you haven't got a tight contract in place you've got no savings they just drop you you're screwed so i think it's just something that all freelancers need to be very switched on about but i yeah. think 
after this point in your life, uh, you were very lucky um, uh, to basically move on in mm. your freelance career mm. and pick up some, you know, your employed job and your freelance gigs. And yeah. um, just talk us through a little bit about what you're doing now. Like as mm. you progress from that role into your new roles, like what's up? What are you doing? Eventually things happened in a certain way, which my services were no longer required. That really hurt me after everything I'd given to that club and you know the hours I'd put in the time spent traveling and you know it's part of the job so I don't want this to sound like a sob story but the way that I was kind of cast off I was told at half time of a game that I was commentating a pre-season game I was told like two weeks before the start of a new season that I wasn't going to be needed to commentate and that didn't give me much time to find another job commentating which is all I've really wanted to do since that moment that really hurt me the way that they kind of told me that I wasn't going to be needed and I didn't have enough time to pick myself up and find something new. So I've no hard feelings towards Portsmouth. I wish it could have ended a little bit better. But again, these are the sort of things where now you sit back and you look back and I think actually it probably was the right time to go because some of the opportunities I've had since then have just been off the scale. Unbelievable. So what am I doing now? Well, I took about a month out and then I was applying for jobs left, right and centre. I had a couple of interviews, which I didn't get, where they told me, this is ridiculous, right? They told me I was too hungry. Can you believe that? I was told I was too hungry and I saw the job. I saw the job as a stepping stone. I had done exactly what you said about, you know, freelancers have the money to do the lifestyle they want. That summer, before I got told I wasn't needed anymore, I spent all my money on a holiday to the Dominican Republic and then I did a tour of Germany and I thought I spent all my money basically on going away and having a great time in the summer. And I don't regret it because I had an amazing time that summer. But I was told that I was no longer required and I didn't have any time to build my finances back up. I basically had very, very little and I was clinging on to one or two final invoices and waiting as long as possible to cash them in until I was offered a job for a company up in Manchester, moving from the south. It's a big move. I didn't know anyone up in Manchester, but I took this job working in broadcasting, very, very similar, but on a much bigger scale. And um, yeah, I moved up to Manchester in, I think it was October 2018. And yeah, I started a, a permanent job and I've had some amazing opportunities up here in Manchester since I've been here that I probably would never have had. I think if things didn't go the way that they did go, I do wonder whether I'd still be down there at Portsmouth freelancing for not as much money as I'm on now and what trajectory my career path would have taken. But, you know, everyone says that things happen for a reason. And like what we were saying before, sometimes you need to take those hardships and turn them into positives and think about what's actually come off the back of that you know there's an old saying one door closes another one opens and that's certainly been the case for me yeah definitely and and from the talks that we've had just as friends and like before the podcast and stuff like that it sounds like you know you're super happy and interested in exactly what you're doing right now and you've got the opportunity um, to work for more than just one company so you're freelancing yeah. yourself out for more than just one football club you're working on freelance gigs for commentating on games from all over the world from what you've told me yeah. um, before this podcast so um, yeah you, you took that leap of faith moved up to Manchester on uh, one contract for like an employed role and then you've yep. expanded your horizons and expanded your opportunity through the freelance world and now you're working on the projects that you're passionate about through your freelance career another question that i've got for you is looking at your life right now 
what are your current career goals in terms of freelancing? Like, what is the next stage for Niall? What do you want to achieve in the near future? Let's just say five, 10 years. The first day that I went to work in Manchester in my new job, so I didn't have anywhere to live because I didn't give myself, I gave myself like 10 days between accepting the job and finding somewhere to live. And when the city's 220 miles away, it's difficult to... <laughs> to get yourself up there and figure out where you're going to live so yeah I lived in, in your cousin's basement exactly yeah. <laughs> yeah but I didn't know anyone in Manchester um and then I sort of uh, linked up again with an old friend from sixth form who I hadn't seen in years and she very kindly put me up for a month and I lived in Airbnbs for a couple of weeks until eventually I got my own place but the very first day in amongst all that carnage the very first day that I started my new job I met a couple of really cool people there was a an event there was a launch of a new bar in Manchester and an email went round saying we've got some free tickets to this launch night yeah after my first day I went out with the people that I worked with uh, a few of them that I'm still close with now met some great people just networking and we've spoken about networking so many times on this podcast and we speak about it loads on the course too about how important it is but sometimes you need a bit a little bit of luck and um, a little bit of lubrication in this case with a few beers down my neck I was able to get talking to some people uh, who would <laughs> sort of pursued similar career paths to the ones I wanted to pursue through those people and through those conversations I had I ended up getting some freelance opportunities within the first two months of living in Manchester it was amazing I got to work on national radio working on BBC Five Live a few times in the first few months that I moved up to Manchester I got to work on TV I was on TV for the for the first time. So, you know, those were opportunities that I got through networking with people at my workplace on the very first day. And then friends of friends who were invited to this launch night of a bar, of which I easily could have said no, by the way. I could have just said, no, I'm not interested. But I thought, what have I got to lose? I've just moved up to a new city. What's not going to be beneficial about me going for a few beers after work? with some people that I'm probably going to be working with on a more regular basis. Why not get to know them? And then things led on from there. So yeah, from that, I got a few extra freelance opportunities. And then I went to a networking event um, where I was probably the oldest person there. It was full of students just asking for work experience. I was thinking, well, I don't need work experience. I've got a job. I don't need work experience. I've got experience freelancing. I've got experience presenting radio shows and podcasts and commentating and broadcasting live sports events. I've recently been on TV. I've recently been on national radio. I've got experience. So I had some business cards made up ahead of this. Took some business cards and um, effectively the guy I spoke to said, oh, you used to commentate for Portsmouth. I'm from Ferrum. And anyone who knows that part of the world knows that Ferrum's a town 10 miles away from Portsmouth. I mean, a lot of life comes down to luck. But if I didn't say that I've done this and I've done this, we wouldn't have had a mutual interest. And you might not have ever given me a call or given me a chance. So anyway, from that networking event, I picked up a couple of extra clients. One of them is a big client that I still work with to this day. And we have a very, very good relationship. Just simply off the back of me, taking a bit of time out one day, one Thursday afternoon, and I decided I was going to go to a networking event on my own and... I had something slightly different to what they were all asking for. They were fresh out of uni, just like I was a couple of years previously. They were all asking for work experience. I didn't want work experience. I knew exactly what I wanted. I wanted more opportunities freelancing because I got a taste for it. 
So that's kind of how things started for me. And that was only maybe two two or so years ago, just, just a little bit more than that. So ever since then, it's just gone from strength to strength to strength. So I've always freelanced on the whole. I've always freelanced since I left uni. So, you know, we're talking seven, eight years now. But it's one of those things where sometimes you have to manufacture an opportunity yourself rather than someone said something really interesting to me, a really good piece of advice. Don't wait for the letterbox to flap. And I thought that was a really cool saying because obviously the whole point of the the saying is don't wait for the letter to get delivered through your door and the letterbox to flap so you know that someone's wanting you. Go out and find them. And that's something we've done as well in depth here on the podcast, client acquisition, going and finding clients. If you're struggling, go and find someone who can help you. Go and find someone who can facilitate your dream and your journey because you know you can have the dream But to perpetuate that dream and to help yourself achieve that dream, there need to be other people that lift you up along the way. And that's something that I think freelancers sometimes lose sight of. The word freelancer naturally means that you're very individual. You're a person who likes to live on your own terms, which is the fundamental basics of being a freelancer. Yes, but there are other people that you need to help fill in those gaps and fill in those steps on the ladder because sometimes those rungs on the ladder are missing and you need other people to put them in place for you so you can step on it and move up and move up and move up. Oh, definitely. And I think just swinging back to what you were saying in the bulk of that right there, I think what's helped you a lot is momentum because basically what you were saying about when you were in Portsmouth and you were working for that, um, like the contract of your dreams, I think you, what happened was you lost a lot of that momentum in the freelance world. You just got stagnant. You enjoyed where you were at Mm. and you, you weren't thinking about progression in my heart level one is Portsmouth it doesn't get any higher than that but in reality Portsmouth are quite far down the ladder in terms of career progression and remuneration and what you want to achieve whereas Manchester United is probably the opposite of that you know being the biggest club in the world there's naturally more resources and more opportunities and being a big company like they are and a big brand like they are worldwide then you're going to naturally get more opportunities from that. So I guess that was the kind of the thing now looking back that I can say that in my heart, does it get any better than that? Living your dream, following your football club around the country and getting paid for it? No. But now in my head, does it get better than that in terms of what I want out of my life and my career? Yeah, it probably does. But it took a bit of a disappointing way for it to end for me to realise that. And now a couple of years on, I can look back and I think, right, okay, I'm kind of glad that happened in a way. But I think these decisions in in this pathway for you have actually led to, like, you know, you've been talking about a better career. And I think it's going to allow you to hit probably more of your financial goals and your life goals. And in the future, from the experience that you've got now and from the portfolio that you're building, if you did ever want to return, you're going to be in such a better position to actually offer, you know, them something, to make them offer you more money. You're going to have the power of, you know, Manchester United behind you, um, in terms of your portfolio and you're going to have more like opportunity to go after the things that you want in yeah. your you know more of a personal goal than a career mm-hmm. goal for you to go back to them maybe you know when you want to slow down um, a bit like that when you reach an older age as much as it's scary to talk about but you know these these 
pro-career decisions that you've made in the past couple of years, I think are really going to benefit you in the future. And that's what a lot of young freelancers should be looking to make decisions like that. Yeah, I mean, it's just what I would say is it's hard when you're in the moment to realise what the decision is in terms of it being the right decision. Like, I don't think I would have left Portsmouth at the time I left off my own accord. You know, I was, like I said, it was two weeks before the start of the season when I found out I wasn't going to work there anymore. And it was like, okay, what do I do now? What am I going to do now? I've got two weeks to find a job every commentator would have got themselves sorted for the season you know so I was just thinking what the hell do I do and so so you know that that was that was the decision that was made for me almost I don't know if I would have come to that decision myself I certainly was ready for the next season ahead so I think in terms of what I want to achieve now looking forward like I say I've made no secret the fact I'm employed and self-employed and at the moment that's working really well for me I've got a nice little sweet spot I'm pretty happy with the way things are going but I think that there is room and reason and possibility and opportunity there for me to go full-time freelancing again but I think it's the timing that's so important and you know we say don't we a lot when we're talking about people that have just started freelancing about taking the plunge and sometimes that's the hardest thing to do and I think that making sure you time it right is important as well so I think that's something I'll look to do in future be a fully fledged freelancer again and be 100% reliant on freelance income and freelance earnings but at the moment the safety net of the employed job is working really well for me and it's something I probably wouldn't have been able to do without during this pandemic where times have been tough for a lot of freelancers so you know there are ups and downs there are pros and cons to everything so I'd say in future that's probably what I want to try and achieve but I think it's important to make sure that you feel comfortable that you've got to that level and you're happy with taking that decision and taking that plunge because I think it is such a big step in people's life and livelihoods in general that if you take the plunge too soon you don't want to be feeling like you've made the wrong decision and then you're chasing your tail trying to get clients and stuff like that I think that once you feel that you're in a good enough and strong enough position to take that plunge, that's certainly what I'll be doing. Then you're not making desperate decisions. Like if For you sure. force yourself and take the leap into being like a full-time freelancer before you're ready, Definitely. you're going to be chasing clients and you'll be chasing those deals and you'll do, you'll be desperate, you'll do anything. You'll take wage cuts, you'll take lower hourly rates, you'll take shitty contracts. Like It's just not where you want to be. And obviously we're an advocate of that over on the 100K Freelancer Club course where a little bit sneaky promo, you can go over to <laughs> 100kfreelancerclub.com sign up for our free courses sign up for the pro course and learn everything there is to do with freelancing you will learn the business of freelancing and become a better more successful freelancer so once again 100kfreelancerclub.com go there sign up sign up sign up and this has been the uh podcast episode all about the man the myth the legend <laughs> so self-indulgent jb you know you know me i don't like this sort of stuff normally i don't like talking about myself i said to you before let's not make it all about me too much i was like i'll keep it short i'll keep it 20 minutes and we've got spoken about me for 40 minutes Wait, i literally know. text you like yeah you've got 25 minutes podcast the longest podcast we've ever done by the way so if you made it this far congratulations yeah well yeah if you made it past the first 10 minutes listening to me then congratulations to be fair but (laughs) (laughs) one thing i want to say is every freelance is different and people might listen to what i've just said about how i became a freelancer and think that guy's so lucky he's had so much luck well yeah and I will be the first person to admit that. Other people won't get the same luck that I've had. Other people will have more luck than I've had. Other people will listen to what I've just said and think, oh, that sounds exactly like what happened to me. And other people will think, well, you know, am I ever going to get to that point? Well, 
everyone's different and i think that's so important because every freelancer is at a different stage of their journey um jb's at a different stage to me on my journey uh, and he's on a different stage to to maybe you if you're listening so i still feel there's a lot to learn for me and a long way to go so i think that's important that we always keep our feet on the ground as freelancers and think there's always more to come there's always more to learn yeah exactly and it's always about continuous development you know personally and on a business level you can always improve like the day you stop improving maybe is the day you die i mean a bit morbid <laughs> but um yeah, you can't improve yeah. when you're dead so <laughs> um, anyway <laughs> we'll move it on. i will <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> exactly but um, i'll end out this podcast um and just say one last time please 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 Head over to 100kfreelanceclub.com, sign up for the free courses, hit us up on the socials. Make sure you go to at NilePFC, drop him a DM as well, let him know what you think about this podcast, tell him if you think, you know, you're a good freelancer, you're a bad freelancer, yeah. <laughs> Anything you want, and um, we will catch you in the next one.